the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking investing and more. There is no topic quite like which is better to get people's blood going. Who's having a better off season? The 49ers or the Giants? Who's having a better off season? The, the Raiders or the 49ers? People like lists and people like to argue and people like to disagree. Happens in the world of money as well. Oh, don't think us financial nerds don't fight. Which is better, real estate or investing? And I like them both. I know you're kind of wanting me to say, choose one or the other. Just choose, pick one, pick one. Oh, oh. Pull a little Sam Kennison. You can't pick both. I can pick both. Um, things change. I mean, wow, do they ever change? Your opinions change. But there's no, no more heated argument than California real estate and Prop 13. So there's no bigger argument out there than, you know, people fight about this stuff. And the vast majority of capital, you know, out there at this point in time, a lot of people say, what's more expensive? What's, what's you know, the cost of doing business? It's labor. It, it is labor on some cases, but it's also a desk on others. I mean, just to give you an example, my TV station recently pulled Microsoft Outlook from everyone and makes them now use Google Drive and Google Documents. One's free and one's, you know, $100 license per year. So a desk is worth something, right? So if... A venture capitalist is going out there and saying, you know, you've got a great idea. I'd like to give you 500000 but the, the person's saying, that's not enough. I've got to get some office space. And, you know, suddenly that's becoming part of the conversation. Are we pricing ourselves out of the next big innovation? So, you know, there's a 50% chance that the next Google would be within a five-mile radius of Google. That's the way it used to, to work out. Facebook is getting ready to open up another massive campus on top of their already massive campus. They're, and they're, they're getting ready to break ground on it. So my question is, again, and this, this will happen, like that's a lot of office space that when it, a downturn comes, like I was working at Cron, what, 18 years ago when they lost their NBC affiliate? And they used to have a, a four-story building where every desk was full. <clears throat> and then became... They were working off three stories. Then it became they were working off two stories. And they're working off two stories. Pick whatever office you want. You don't even have to sit in a cubicle anymore. Um, and it got thinner and thinner and thinner. So there's a big issue out there of like, as things have become so expensive here on land, it's another barrier to entry to start a tech company here. Um, so it's a pretty fair idea that, you know, we should be looking in Iowa for the next Bill Gates. We should be looking in maybe New York City for the next uh, Sergey Brin. Mega cities like San Francisco, London, New York, they draw from you know, a deep network of people, ideas, and capital. 
but they also can get so expensive that entrepreneurs are focused on making money to pay the rent. So they start thinking about where do we go from here? Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's with BayAreaLoanSource.com. Good morning. So Peter Thiel, you know, he basically said something pretty smart recently. You know, um, a lot of the a lot of the capital that he's giving to entrepreneurs now is going to their landlords, and that's going to change the dynamic. Yeah, it's getting pretty expensive. Um, uh, Oakland's been doing well. I think Oakland's a new hub because a lot of places are, you know, entrepreneurs are saying, let's get out of the city. Let's get out of the peninsula and let's look for some cheap space. Um, I've actually seen a couple places in Alameda. Uh, more and more people are talking about startups in, you know, the East Bay. That's definitely something we're hearing. There's something in- because of that one, you know, factor. And you said there, you could see it surging in Oakland. So let me put it in a different way. The velocity of dollars are surging towards the cheaper per square footage. And it, it does come down to math at some point in time. <clears throat> I live in a place right now where the square footage is over $1,000 to sell a residential property. Well over $1,000. So I could sell and find somewhere in the East Bay that's lovely in the hills that doesn't have a lot of neighbors. That's super close to BART. And I can get... Yeah, five, you're doing one or the other. You're buying more house or you're 500, buying... 505 square feet. The same house for a lot less. Yeah. You know, um, it's the same principle. And I could even go as far as I could show you Truckee right now, <clears throat> where Truckee versus Tahoe. Truckee's doing better than Tahoe right now because it's a little bit closer. And the money in the Bay Area, they're saying, let's take a home equity line of credit. Let's go get some more real estate. Or let's, you know, sell now and get some more real estate. I've probably talked to three couples in the last 10 days that have cashed out and left the Bay Area. And again, when does it hurt? We don't know. We don't know when it's 2006 and things start sliding down and it feels like pain in 2007. Then you go, I really wish I would have sold in 2006. Well, and then long. suddenly it's 2008 and that's when you're like, well, I'm not going to watch it go down for two more years and you sell and then it starts to go back up. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that many people are worried about when it's, when it's going to stop. Um, they've got a ton of equity already built in. They were higher than our peaks uh, as long, and as long as there's people there to buy their home. And I think that's really the key. Uh, but we have such slow inventory right now, Rob, and it, you are finding plenty of buyers. There's still multiple offers. You're looking at a, at a $1.5 million property in the peninsula, easily getting eight offers. And that's going, and it's getting over asking price. And a lot of cases, these are cash. So there's plenty of buyers to replace that you know, in your case, your property so that you can cash out and move. And those three other people that you talked to and the hundreds that are doing it, it's there. Yeah. I think I told you the statistic last Friday that to rent a U-Haul in, the, in San oh, Francisco, yeah. to rent a U-Haul to go from here to Vegas, it's $2,000. To rent a U-Haul from Vegas here, it's $100. Like, <laughs> it, that's a crazy stat. Because now I look at U-Hauls when I'm on 101 and I'm like, I bet you're spending an arm and a leg for that. Might as well go to Vegas, pick it up and... Do a two-tripper. There you go. Put a kegger in the back. <laughs> you know, I remember in high school reading a story that a, a fraternity had put a keg in the back of U-Haul and went to Beach Week. Got into a car accident and basically crushed 12 fraternity brothers. Because it was just a keg bouncing around like a pinball. Now, that sounds like an urban myth to me, right? <laughs> it does, right? Like, you, yeah. Oh, and then they got to the beach and the two drivers in the front seat opened up the back and everyone was smushed like pancakes. Anyhow, um, back to this idea on per square foot. It, the funny thing is, is 
if the, if square footage was reported in your newspaper, like stocks are, or like if you were to open up Yahoo right now and see what Apple's trading at, you could open up Zillow and see what the square footage is kind of comparable kind of thing. Yeah, Zillow is a good place. But I think more people probably would have looked at real estate as like volatile and crazy if you could look at it on a daily basis. So we'll talk later in the show is real estate better than investing because you and I had a conversation recently. You're like, man, you know, had you invested in real estate in 2006, 2007 and eight, you would have done great. You know, that, that was the time to be buying duplexes and triplexes. I, S- same thing though. Had you bought stocks, I, you would have done great. As a real estate guy, I saw the, the report said if you would have invested a hundred thousand dollars in the S and P in 2010, it's $400,000 today. So yeah. we're seeing, you know, the real estate guys go, Oh, the stocks look pretty good. And then stock guys are going, wow, I really want that property. So yeah, it's both sides. There's if you some, can do both, there's that's some, great. There's a velocity going on right now in square footage. Like I told you, Truckee shouldn't be doing as well as Truckee's doing. I think it's going to continue doing well. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. Talking money, investing in more. Markets jump big on the opening. As earnings do really matter after all, and we are in earnings season. Lots going on there. So, stocks rally on a strong quarter by Netflix. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. They're up 6%. They smashed analyst quarterly subscriber estimates by a blitz of original content. Goldman Sachs rose slightly, just six-tenths of a percent. After their quarterly profit blew past Wall Street expectations, powered by a surge in trading revenue, higher fees from debt, and equity underwriting. Pretty good. You get a financial company and a media company. We're not going to call Netflix a tech company, are we? A U.S.-led attack on Syria over the weekend has so far not prompted any military retaliation. So that's out there as a positive of easing fears. Then you get Fiat, Chrysler, General Motors, and Ford. They're all rising on news that China said scrapping a limit on foreign ownership of automotive ventures. So some bullish signs for business activity. Markets came out of the gate strong and continue to move. Everyone seems to be taking a, a shot at Facebook these days. Netflix CEO takes a shot at Facebook. One of the first takeaways from looking at their conference call and hearing it, Reed Hastings fielded a broader question about whether he thinks Netflix will be affected by government concerns around data privacy. Cambridge Analytica is getting grilled right now in Europe by regulators. Facebook chief executive Mark Zuckerberg defended the company. He started in 2004 recently. So there's a lot of data concerns, right? And Hastings said, I'm very glad we built a business not to be ad-supported, but to be based on subscription. So that's different than having to sell your ad-supported business, you know, to fill commercial time. We've always been very big on protecting all our members' viewing. We don't sell advertising, so I think we're substantially inoculated from the other issues that are happening in the industry, he said. That's out there, right? I don't think that's mean, but I think it's out there. Facebook, the median pay, the median pay. What is the median pay? 
get ready to think your mom and daddy did you wrong by pushing you into a career that's not this. Facebook employees earned a median pay package of more than $240,000 last year. Mark Zuckerberg's total compensation was about $8.8 million. Now, that's 37 times higher than the median Facebook employee. Mr. Zuckerberg's base salary was $1, and he didn't receive a bonus or any equity rewards, but the 33-year-old's security and travel costs rose 54% to $8.8 million. He makes more on interest from his wealth than he's ever going to make on a salary, right? That's out there. That's out there. Like, oh, mom, dad, why did you tell me I should be a professional athlete? Intel's in the news today. They're getting kind of knocked around in the world of media or journalism. Their long-held lead in making the best integrated circuits in the world is starting to disappear. Competition has caught them, so to speak. So says the microprocessor report. Now, who doesn't have a copy of the microprocessor report laying around? There's been big delays, repeated delays with Intel and its 10 nanometer process. It attempts to manufacture chips with dimensions as small as 10 billionths of an inch. I don't know how they do it. If you were to put me on a planet for a thousand years, I'd never understand how to make a semiconductor. How you can use Taiwan semiconductors or Samsung Electronics or the Global Foundries or ASM Lithography or any of the companies out there to put something that is a tenth, ten billionths of an inch small. So Qualcomm's out there and Apple's out there. So Intel's kind of has an issue where the competitors are really closing the gap with them. So as you move into smaller, faster, you make last year's models cheaper. And companies like uh, who do the lithography, like ASM, benefit from you know the push, push, push forward in the manufacturing process. I used to be one of those guys who got, I'm not going to say caught up, but I would always look forward to seeing what the new chips were coming out that year and why. And... Uh, I, I don't care anymore. I used to care about the 8086 and the 386 and the 286 and the 486 and the Pentiums and uh, don't care anymore. So and then you get the I models. Blah, too much. So a lot of people keep wanting to see a, a, a bear market. Mm, I'm not there. So and I, I don't think that's a healthy way of thinking. One way of thinking that I, I, I do like a lot is when you watch TV shows like Sex and the City, do you think those characters are saving money? I like to think about that. So when I watch things like Lost in Space or Game of Thrones, like I see the Game of Thrones people, the Lannisters, they borrowed a lot of money from the Iron Bank. So they could build up athletes and warriors and ships and cargoes and go and conquest worlds can they pay it back probably not because they have no clue on how much they spend whether it's a coffee or an uber or a subscription or a delivery the lannisters are out of control so it's good to use a site like mint or an app like mint m-i-n-t or personal capital to kind of start seeing where you spend money then you have to have a goal of savings goal um, and you have to have ideas like, do you want a vacation home? Do you want kids? Do you want the ability to travel in your future? Goals are important. Don't live paycheck to paycheck. Don't go raid the village next door. 
and uh, spend all your money on your soldiers and all your money on feeding them and then have no money left over and you have to wait a couple more months to get money back. So you can't live paycheck to paycheck. You've got to save money for the future. And if you can't pay your credit card balance off in full, you're probably living beyond your ways and means. Have an emergency fund because something's going to happen one day. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Lots of stories going on on Wall Street. It keeps you young for sure. Factory output ticked up in March. Just a fraction. We want factories firing them up, them smokestacks and polluting the environment on some level because it means we're consuming goods and we're, we're creating goods. And when you create goods, it tells you you probably are getting a paycheck. Probably. Home builders rose slightly in the month of March. We have a housing shortage in the United States, and it's not just in California. It's across the United States. And there's very few communities that start with the low-income housing first. They usually go with a high-income housing and then go backwards and make uh, payoffs to uh, appease some people. Lots going on. <laughs> Lots going on, to say the least. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com. We are in earnings season, and there's an earnings focus, and Wall Street is reacting to the earnings. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. I'm doing fine, thanks. And, uh, you're right. I think that is the, uh, the focus uh, at the moment, anyway. And uh, I would agree with everything you said in your intro. And I'm glad to know that I'm not alone in thinking that, uh, you know, there's just a whole lot going on right now that's creating... Um, uh, both distractions and opportunities within the stock market, and, and I think is also contributing to a lot of this, you know, back and forth that we've been seeing uh, throughout the year. I hear you on that. Now, opening up briefing.com this morning and then switching to page one, um, the focus on earnings. And it, it's to me, when you see Netflix, Goldman Sachs, United Healthcare, Johnson and Johnson, you're really kind of painting the brush, you know, wide left and right and up and down. You're hitting finances, you're hitting healthcare, you're hitting consumer goods, you're hitting media. Um, that's a pretty good sign, in my opinion. It feels like not just one sector is doing well and not just one company is doing well. It feels like times are good. Yeah, I agree with that, Rob. Um, and, and that's really going to be, I think, one of the key takeaways when this earnings reporting season is all said and done is that you should really see you know, broad-based strength in terms of S&P 500 earnings growth. You know, it's not going to be just uh, just an energy story. It's not going to be, you know, just a technology story. It's it's really across the board. In fact, you know, uh, FactSet uh, informs us that, you know, every sector in the S&P 500 is expected to deliver uh, earnings growth on a year-over-year basis uh, this period. And, and, and it's really a, a really... A, a fundamental source of support here for the market. It is the most important fundamental source of support, really, and, and it helps the market reorient its, uh, its mindset to, uh, to what really drives it, and I think helps mitigate some of the knee-jerk responses to, to, the, you know, to the headlines we see surrounding trade and, and geopolitics, as well as a lot of the, you know, the political drama that gets reported on you know, in terms of what's happening in Washington, D.C. and at the White House. And so, um, and so when you took the compendium of companies reporting since yesterday's close, these big 
very weighty names, if you will, Goldman, Johnson, Johnson, Netflix, United Health. You know, they all topped earnings expectations, and that, that set a good tone um, uh, for the broader market this morning. And, and even though those, the trading responses to those particular stocks has, has been somewhat mixed, uh, the tenor of the reports themselves, uh, the suggestion that more and more companies across a wider landscape of sectors are going to be beating earnings estimates, uh, was a nice uh, point of focus this morning, and that's helped underpin the market right now. Is there anything in earnings season that you like to look for? Me, personally, I like to look for financials because if they're doing well, that means they're lending money. That means people are spending. Uh, then I want to get into sectors by sector. Like autos are important to me because it's a big part of our economy. It's not as big as it used to be. But what in earnings season do you kind of focus in on to make Patrick O'Hare feel better? I think uh, one of the you know one of the things I like to focus on is, is what's going on at the top line, um, even as much as what's happening at the bottom line. Because obviously, you know, companies can can do um, a lot of things below the operating line to, to to make earnings per share growth look pretty good. But you know, but I really want to see what's happening as far as demand. You know, and that's going to show up in the top line because you know we can we can get a sense really at least from the CPI data that you know. Inflation uh, is it's creeping up, but it's not you know um, at any type of scary level. So, so in all likelihood, you, you would assume that the, the revenue growth you're getting is driven more by by increased volume, increased demand, and so uh, so that's something I like to see because then companies that do a good job of controlling their expenses can leverage that sales growth and produce uh, you know stronger earnings earnings growth uh, that. Hopefully, doesn't need to have a lot of um, added ballast from um, things like a, a cut in the tax rate or, or buying back shares, things of that nature. So, uh, and, it, and it does look like you know the first quarter revenue growth should be quite solid. Uh, projections for about seven point four percent on the S and P five hundred, uh, which is which is very respectable. And uh, and of course, you're going to see. Uh, you know, that top-line growth leverages some pretty good bottom-line growth. So that's what I keep my eye on, really, uh, at this juncture, because we do know that these companies have a lot of share buyback capabilities that they're, that they're exercising right now that help boost the bottom line. Um, so keep an eye on that top line. So it's tax day. I've done my taxes, almost. <laughs> I've done them. I just haven't sent them in. Um, do we, as a nation, start thinking about 2018 taxes and how we're not going to be paying as much as a nation? Maybe we will, maybe we won't, depending on what sector of the economy you're in and how much your salary is. But it, should we have a good rest of the year as we all start figuring out we're gonna, we should pay less, according to the tax plan cut, than we did before? Or is there just too many loopholes and too many things in it that you know, it's not going to let us chill out and have a good day? Well, it's you know it's a very good observation, and I think um, you know for uh, a lot of people that yeah you know might have to pay taxes on a quarterly basis, they're already you know getting a sense of, of some of the benefits of that that tax cut as you know uh, first quarter estimated you know tax payments are also due uh, along with their 2017 taxes and and uh, you know but I think um, you know really at the end of the day when when just People see what their their take home pay is, you know, on a weekly basis or you know every month, and um, and they get a, a good sense that they're taking home more than they used to in 2017. It should hopefully um, 
give them some um, some confidence in, in both saving more and 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 spending more. Um, of course, if they end up saving more, it could ultimately be a drag on overall growth because uh, you know this economy relies heavily on consumer spending. Um, but uh, I think that's going to become more apparent to taxpayers as, as the year carries on, uh, especially if they're not in that camp that has to, to make any you know, quarterly estimated payments. So what are you looking at at this point in time as, you know, we, again, the auto numbers seem to be fine. The tax cuts seem to be fine. China seems to be playing along with the headlines, not escalating a trade war. What are you looking at? What's the... I guess it's, is it called Django, where you have to pull something out to see the economy fall apart? Or what's the, what's the piece we should be looking at and kind of staying away from? Or uh, what are you focusing on? Yeah, well, I think the, the piece everyone needs to look at and pay attention to is, is monetary policy at the Federal Reserve. Um, okay. You know, from my vantage point, I think that that's been the primary source of volatility for the stock market this year. You know, a lot of people will will claim that it's the you know the, the headlines surrounding trade and tariffs and uh, and what recently you know went on leading up to the missile strike on Syria. Um, but I think when you take a step back and you look at really what's what's moving the market this year and it's in the volatile manner that it is, is just the understanding that the Fed's perspective as it relates to the to the policy outlook is changing. You know, it's not that uh, the way it used to be in terms of where the Fed was almost scared to raise interest rates. Now, uh, the Fed sounds quite confident and quite sanguine in its, in its view about how the outlook is likely to unfold and how it should ultimately have the potential to, to keep raising you know, rates, albeit in a gradual manner. But, um, but that's a real inflection point here for, for the stock market uh, because it has to get its mind around how it can adjust to the path of least resistance for interest rates you know, being to the upside now and, and, and no longer to the downside. And, uh, and it's that pace of interest rate increases, not only from what the Fed is going to do, but what the market itself is going to do, that's going to help, um, you know, dictate what happens in the stock market over the remainder of this year. Okay. Now, I saw out there um, some positive news tied towards how much we're saving, and we're doing a little bit better. Um, but there's still some flags out there that we're not thinking of age 60 to 100 well, and we're doing okay, but not doing great there. Um, Social Security, uh, what are your thoughts of, and again, as a, kind of as a market strategist, probably the only reason you're doing that is to help people navigate the market to create better investments to get towards retirement. How are you thinking we look as a nation prepping for retirement? Well, you know, just, you know, in terms of what I've read as well, I mean, it doesn't sound like we're doing all that great, um, that there's perhaps going to be too much reliance on Social Security being the ultimate safety net, uh, and therefore people aren't saving as much today as they probably should be. Uh, And then at the same time, you've got, you know, forecasts that suggest that, you know, um, Social Security benefit payments aren't going to be paid out, you know, at 100%, uh, starting, I think, coincidentally, the year I'm due to retire. <laughs> so, um, you know, we're, we're you know, uh, so, so you do need to start saving more today to prepare for that and not just rely on, on Social Security as your only means of income in retirement. 
Sounds good. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. You can find him at Briefing.com. There's so much content there on the economy, on earnings season. Check it out at Briefing.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I do not pretend to know everything. In fact, I'm pretty cognizant that I don't. Um, I try to protect you from, I'm not going to call it fake news. But I'm going to say I try to protect you from getting greedy and fearful, from getting thrown ideas. I got an email yesterday from someone who has been listening to the show for eight years, seven years. And uh, he really dislikes a lot of the the people who do financial radio and shows. And uh, what's interesting to note about it is you can clearly tell from his tone and from his emails that he listens to a lot of financial shows looking for a, a Buddha on the mountain, a guru to follow, a signpost, free advice. Does he ever want to pay someone? No. Look what you get from Facebook when you don't pay for it. They compromise you. They use you to make money. So when you think something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. That's all I got for you, ladies and gentlemen. Who's a Buddha on the mountain for me? Not many. But I will say I do recognize teams and I do recognize excellence. And CFP Chad Burton does a great show here from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. Tuesdays and Wednesdays with the best of on Fridays. On occasion, he'll jump in my show. Uh, Let's hear what he had to talk about this morning on New Focus on Wealth. We go through booms and busts. We go through recessions every seven years. It's all part of the game. Continue to buy. Continue to rebalance your portfolio. And buy even more when there's a decline. Teach yourself to go against your gut when it comes to investing, and you'll you'll be much better off. Again, if you're trying to start out and save money, I just go ahead and do indexes for the first $250,000 because you probably don't need bonds when you're just starting out. But as you get older and closer and closer to retirement, it becomes more important to have a mix of indexes and managed portfolios, especially in bonds. If you missed the first segment of the show, make sure you go to the chadburton.com and get the podcast because I talked about why I don't like bond index funds. With stock index funds, they're market weighted, so it tends to you tend to be investing more. If you're in the S&P 500, it's market weighted. So the majority of your money is in the 50 largest companies in America, not the 500 largest companies in America because it's market weighted. You own a heck of a lot more of the larger companies which tends to say quality companies in bond indexes, you're lending the most money to the companies. It's not weighted the same way. You're lending the most money to the most leveraged companies, the companies that issue the most debt. So why would you do that? Why wouldn't you be with more of a bond manager that can pick and choose as we go through a difficult environment? When I first got into the business in the early nineties, rates were going up and the bond market had a problem. That affected the market. I think it was 94 or so. So the bond market can affect the stock market if it doesn't go correctly. It doesn't really mean too much, but just know what you own. And as you get close to retirement, if you own just bond indexes inside your 401k, you really need to take the time to figure out what you own. If it's too aggressive, too much in junk bonds, if it's called high yield or strategic income, it's junk bonds. It's highly leveraged poor credit quality, very sensitive to rising rates or an economic downturn.
So keep that in mind. I was going to talk about, um, we had some questions, and this was actually from a, a podcast listener in New York that was really trying to find a decent estate planning attorney. And oftentimes, our advisors, if you ask a question like that, uh, we jump on different financial planning associations, different uh, board, um, discussion boards, and we'll ask. We'll ask other certified financial planners from the fee-only world, hey, in your area, in Albany, New York, where this question came from, do you know of any good estate planning attorneys? And we'll get immediately two or three responses of advisors over there that, yeah, yeah, use this attorney. And they'll say, okay, one attorney is for really large estates. Another attorney is more for younger couples that are just starting out. And another attorney is for estate planning for those that are dealing with nursing home costs and need to do Medicaid or Medi-Cal planning in California. And you just got your taxes done. You have a pretty good idea of what your assets are, what your expenses are around tax time because it just forces you to look at everything, right? So make sure you're forcing yourself to get your estate plan done. First, find a qualified attorney. If you want a referral, just shoot me an email, chat at chadburton.com. But you have to ask things like, how long have you been practicing law? How have, how long have you been practicing, practicing this type of law? If you use an attorney to do your trust, and most of the time that attorney is dealing with auto accidents, you're going to get a piece of garbage on paper. That's all you're going to get. So you have to have a specific estate plan and attorney. Before you go in, make sure you know all of your assets. You've done a financial plan. You know really what you're going to be worth. Because you could be worth a ton now, but if you're spending a lot of money, maybe you're not really not leaving that much. So know the type of documents that you need. For example, California probate's very expensive. Most people that have a home and one account outside of their retirement account need a living trust. In the state of Washington, where we have a lot of clients and an office in Vancouver, Washington, right by Portland, Oregon, Washington is... just as often as not, people have just a will because probate issue isn't as tough in the state of Washington and time-consuming and expensive as it is in California. So it depends on where you're listening as well. Oregon, trust, California, trust, Washington, not so much. And I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Don't forget, when you're at robblackshow.com, you can sign up for the next seminar which we have one coming up in early May in Cupertino, Retirement Income Strategies and Estate Planning. It's from 6.30 to 8.30 in the evening. You can sign up at robblackshow.com. Use code RADIO25 to get in for free. It's May 3rd, 6.30 to 8.30 in the evening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.